0: As we get to the point, good morning, church. We are in our new Alberta campus out here in the town of Alberta, Alabama. I am excited for the ministry that we're going to have working out of this facility in the future, not long from now. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you open them up to Psalm 46? We are in a series where we've been walking through the Psalms. That series we've entitled Psalms for the Season. And the psalm we're going to be looking at today has got a special place in my heart. Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but growing up when I was in high school, I was in the band, and I played the trumpet and the trombone, and and I was never really good at either one of those, but I I tried sort of. Anyway, every day in high school band, our band director, who was this old white-haired man named Mr. Lloyd, would have us play the same song over and over again to warm up for the day 's music that we were going to be playing, Go, being a kid that had grown up in church, I, I should have known what the song was, but i didn 't That said, I did quickly learn the tune and and as I was growing up, I, I learned that this this song was actually a pretty important hymn in the church. The original title was "Ein festeberg ist unser Gott," and it was written by a German monk about five hundred years ago named Martin Luther. Today, we as Americans who speak English know that it is a mighty fortress is our God. That hymn was based on this psalm. In fact, uh, the history tells us that that Luther would, would go with his companions, and when he was facing difficult times, when he was struggling, he would turn to this psalm, and he would say, hey, come, let's sing the 46th psalm together. You see, Psalm 46 a, a, which, which on which a mighty fortress was based is a psalm that is a powerful reminder of who God is to us and how we can rely on him, how we can trust him. So today we're going to be worshiping at home in the midst of a pandemic, and I want us to look at this psalm together and be reminded of who God is to us and how we can trust him. So if you've got your Bibles, like I said, Psalm chapter 46. This is the word of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we prepare to study this psalm that is thousands of years old, Would you speak to us today? Would you remind us of who you are to us and how we can rely on you, how we can count on you in times of distress, in times of trouble, when things seem to be going sideways? Would you give us a fresh word Get me out of the way and speak to each member of our church, wherever they're at, in whatever situation they're at. Come to them today and speak an encouraging word that will help them to know that you're God and we can trust you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, as we begin to look at this psalm, I want you to notice how the psalm begins. In verse one, it begins with a clear factual statement that we need to keep at the front of our minds at all times. It reminds us of the reliability of God. We can rely on God. That's the first thing that we're gonna see in this psalm. Take a look. The psalmist sings, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, as we read that, as we're looking at that in our text, we ought to be immediately confronted with a question. And that question is, who is your source of strength? Who is it that you turn to? Who is your refuge? Who do you turn to for help when when times get tough? We all know the right church answer, right? We have the, the right head answer. But I think for many of us, the truth is that the actual answer to that question is me. I am my source of strength. I am the one I turn to to fix my problems. I am my own refuge in times of trouble. I I don't know about you, but that's my natural tendency. It's like I'm stuck in this perpetual state of being a three-year-old that that wants to scream out, I'll do it myself. But the problem with that is that I'm not God. I, I don't have the knowledge, the wisdom, the power to be able to handle everything that's going on around me but the good news for Christians when once we get over that the good news is that God is our refuge and strength. We don't have to be our own refuge. We don't have to be our own strength. We don't have to be our own help when trouble comes our way. God is our refuge and strength. God is our very present help in times of trouble. And as we think about that and what that means for it and how it plays out for us That alone ought to bring us comfort, but verses two and three, as we move further into the psalm, are going to show us the extent to which God really is our refuge and strength. It's going to show us the extent to which we can trust him in everything we're going through. Verse two says, therefore, and I want to pause right there and just point out to you that whenever we encounter that word, therefore, we ought to ask the really kind of corny question, what's the therefore, therefore? because therefore is pointing backwards. It's reminding us of something. So as we look at the therefore, we look back and it says, therefore, what is that for? That's pointing us back to the fact that God is our refuge and strength, that he is our very present help in times of trouble. Because of that, God is our refuge and strength. We go on in our thing. It says, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. And I'm going to stop again and I'm going to point out that this psalm, what it's telling us, that God is our refuge and strength and and that he's our help in times of trouble. Therefore, because of that, we won't fear. I know that for many of us, we still have fear. Many Christians are are crippled by, by fear around them. Why is that? Why are we crippled by fear? I mean, if I can be completely honest with you, there have been times in this last week as I've been preparing this message, as I've been studying this text, where where the worry and anxiety about things around me has has become so great that I wasn't paying attention to anything going on around me. I think a lot of us have been walking in the last couple of months with this kind of low grade worry, this this low grade anxiety. Maybe, Maybe it's even worse than that. Why is that? I think, I think it's because we've let the truth of verse 1 move from the front of our minds to some back burner somewhere. It's because we've forgotten what verse 1 is telling us. It's because we've allowed that truth to, to go away. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And as we go further into the text, we see how that plays itself out. He says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Do you see the picture that's being painted here by the psalmist? Our confidence in God as our refuge and strength is strong, it's sure. The the picture here is of the whole world literally falling apart. The earth gives way. Mountains are thrown into the sea. The oceans are raging. It's a complete upheaval of nature. I mean, when when you think about like what is sure, what can we count on? And we, we look outside. What is more sure? What is more secure? What is more unchanging than geography? Now, now I get it. Down here in, in lower Alabama, over in northwest Florida, everything's flat here. But I grew up up in Tacoma, Washington. And up in Washington State, we have mountains. And the most prominent of all of our mountains is Mount Rainier. That's the license plate. I don't know if you've seen my truck, but that's the, the mountain that's on license plates from the state of Washington. It's on our driver's license. It is the icon of the state of Washington. Mount Rainier, I grew up in the shadow of that mountain. I grew up hiking in the forests of its foothills. I grew up intertubing down its slopes. And I said inner tubing. I know I, I am not good enough to be able to ski down a, a slope, but I intertubed down its slopes. I am so familiar with that mountain. I mean, I could, I could take it and, and pull out my phone and without even trying, show you exactly where that mountain is. Mount Rainier is a sure point for me, for my life. I, I've known it my whole life. In fact, up in Washington State, they have this saying um, related to the mountain. They'll say, hey, the mountain is out today. And, and what they're talking about is that there are days when the weather is beautiful, the clouds part, and you can actually see the mountain. That's, that's how common it is for us. But, but what if one day I went to do that? I went to pull out my phone, like I said, and, and I, I showed you where it was. And, or better yet, what if, what if we went and we got on an airplane and we flew up to Seattle? And as we landed at SeaTac International Airport and we walked off the airplane and we looked to the southeast, we looked on a clear day where the mountain was supposed to be. What if in that moment, Mount Rainier was completely gone? What would we, well, even in that moment, right there, we can be sure God is our refuge and strength. God is secure. He is our very present help in times of trouble. I think some of us need to be reminded of that. Right now, if you're a Christian, you are not your own source of strength. Your your spouse isn't your source of strength. Your job isn't your source of strength. Your home is not your refuge or your source of strength. Your bank account is not your refuge or your source of strength. God is your refuge and strength. Everything else can fail us. Everything else will let us down, but God won't fail us. Even when the world is falling apart, we have a sure hope, a sure refuge. You see, the first three verses of this psalm are reminding us that we can rely on God. And as we go from knowing that we can rely on God, and we continue in the psalm, what we're going to see is that not only can we rely on God, But in the midst of all that's happening, God is close to his people. Take a look with me. Starting in verse 4, the psalmist writes, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now, now as we look at the scene that we're encountering now, you, you can't help but notice how dramatically things have shifted from what we were seeing in the first three verses of this psalm before the earth was being completely torn apart, before the waters were raging, but now we've got this river that's flowing through the city of God. And the city of God itself is made up of the people of God. Today, in a world after the cross, that's us. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as the Lord, as the King of your life, then you are a citizen of the city of God. You're part of the people of God. The apostle Peter, he said that, that if you're a Christian, you're part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his, of, of Jesus's own possession, that you may declare the glories of God, right? He says that in, in 1 Peter, but then he, he moves on. And in the very next verse there, he says, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. There's a change that occurs when you become a Christian. You become part of God's people. When you're a Christian, you become a citizen of the city of God. And the imagery of a river that's flowing through the city of God, I don't know if you knew this, there's no river flowing through Jerusalem. What we're seeing here, it's a, a symbol of restoration, of blessing. But the psalm doesn't just contain this promise of restoration and blessing. It it doesn't just have a river flowing through the city. Look what it says as we move into verse 5. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. You see right there, the the source of the blessing and restoration is the very presence of God. The, The river represents that blessing, but God is its source. God is right there with his city. When when this psalm was written, that was a reference to God's very presence in the temple. But we know for the Christian today that God dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 reminds us that we are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in us. And the result of God's presence is peace and help in times of distress. That's what we're seeing here. One scholar noted that when we read God's help will come when the morning dawns, what we're seeing there is, is a reminder that in the darkness of distress, the people of God can know that the Lord will not let them long suffer. His acts of unfailing love are renewed each morning. God's presence brings peace and help. So, so perhaps what many of us need to do is just pause, just, just stop, and seek God's presence. We, we need to understand that in the darkness of our distress, God is, is right there with us. We need to grapple with that. Now, now what does that look like? Maybe, maybe, maybe it lo- looks like diving headlong, just headfirst right into our Bibles and just reading our scripture and getting in there and, and seeing who God is and how he speaks to us. Maybe it means for For some of us, we turn off Fox News, we turn off CNN, we we put down Facebook and all those other media things that are trying to steal our attention and are loading us with anxiety and worry and and maybe we just put that away and for a change, we, we turn that off and we focus on the things of God. Maybe it means we listen to music that stirs our affections for Christ. Maybe it means that we're reading our scripture, we're praying, we're seeking God. Because God's presence brings peace. If you want to have peace, seek God's presence. But God's presence also brings security. Verse six says that, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Remember, in the part of the psalm that we're in, right, we're still talking about the city of God. And what we're seeing right here is that everything outside the city of God is chaos. But where God's presence is, there's peace where God's presence is, there's security. God is close to his people. As Christians in the middle of everything that we're surrounded with with this pandemic, we, we need to be reminded of that. God loves us and he's near to us. He hasn't left us alone. He's right here going through this with us, which is why verse 7 returns to a reminder that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That title, Lord of hosts, literally Yahweh Sabiath. It's the Lord of armies. It's a militaristic term. It's saying that God is the commander of all the heavenly armies. He has might. He has power. But what I want you to focus on is not the title of our God. That is all important and true. But I want you to see where God is in this picture in verse 7. The Lord in this picture is is not before or or in front of his people. And, And he's not behind his people. No, the the promise isn't that God will come at a future moment to help out his people. No, what we're seeing right here is that the Lord is pictured right there with his people in that moment. It's a present tense personal relationship that we're seeing. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us. In the midst of all that's happening for God's people, God is right there with his people and as Christians today, we can say the same thing. Our God isn't far off because of the work that Christ did on the cross, because he lived the life that we couldn't live, because he died the death that we deserve to die, because he was buried in a borrowed tomb and raised to life on the third day. He conquered sin and death so that when we repent of our sin, and we accept him as Lord of our life, we're given his righteousness, and now we can claim that our God is with us. We're able to say, verse seven, we're able to say, the Lord of hosts is with me. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is my fortress, Selah, Selah. That that word is a word that we only see in the Psalms, and a couple of times in Habakkuk chapter three. It's the only place that appears. And the truth of the matter is, we don't really know what Selah means. Scholars have given a few ideas, but here and, and many places in the Psalm, what I think is probably the most likely meaning is that it's a word that's meant to trigger a pause. Maybe it's a pause for a musical interlude. Remember, the Psalms were songs of worship that were sung. Maybe it's a pause to think for silence, to, to reflect on what has just been sung. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Pause. Just think about that. Rest in that. Know that he's with us right now, right in the middle of this pandemic. Just rest in that right where you're at. God, is close to his people. We need to hear that. And even as God is close to his people, I want you to see that in this psalm that God is still at work in the mess. In verse 8, the psalmist calls us to come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And what we're seeing here in in these two verses is a call to examine a picture of salvation history. The desolations on the earth that's talked about in verse 8 is talking about all of the victories that God gave the people of Israel as he led them out of slavery, out of bondage, into the promised land. You see, one of the best ways that we can know that we can rely on God One of the best ways that we can really remember that God is close to us is to remember what God has done in the past. William Van Graham said that the works of the Lord include all his acts in salvation history Exodus, conquest, the period of the judges, the monarchy. Listen to what he says beyond that, though. He says, recounting the mighty acts of God plants deep in the memory of the people of God the evidences of his care his protection and providential rule. Those who are wise enough to remember and look at the world around them have tokens of God's constancy toward his people. We need to remember all that God has done. In biblical history, yes, we absolutely need to remember how God has worked throughout history to bring us to a point where Christ died for our sins, where we repented of our sin, but we also need to remember God's faithfulness in our everyday lives. So as we look at verse 8 and we're told to come behold the works of the Lord, I I, want to ask you, what are the works of the Lord in your life? How has God been faithful in in your life? How has he been faithful in the life of your family, in the life of your friends? When when you're trapped in that moment of worry and anxiety, when, when you find yourself asking, can I really trust God? Can I really rely on God? Is he really my refuge and strength? Is he really a very present help in times of trouble? When you're asking those questions, think back to how God has been faithful for you in the past. And remember that we have a God who is unchanging, a God who who does not change, who day to day is the same God. And if he was faithful in the past, you know he'll be faithful in the future as well. And know that our God who unchanges will continue to bless us. He'll continue to take care of us. That's the whole point of verse nine. You see, verse eight is telling us to look backward, but verse nine is telling us to look forward. The psalmist says he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And if we consider everything we've seen in this psalm, all the chaos, all the things going wrong outside the city of God, outside of God's presence, and then we put it all together, what we see here is the promise of God claiming victory over the future. You see, he doesn't just make the wars to cease. He does that, but, but that's not all he does. He also destroys the very weapons of war so that war can't happen. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots. This is a complete and total victory. And what we ought to see in the reminder is that God will be victorious in all things. God's gonna be victorious in this pandemic that we're in right now. God will be victorious. In our present circumstances, God will be victorious. His will will be accomplished. And in the center of all this mess that we're in, God is at work and, and there's no reason for us to doubt the final outcome. You know, sometimes circumstances come and and life gets hard and we we try to fix things for ourselves. We, We want to be our own source of strength, our own refuge. We want to fight our battles for ourselves and we forget that God is at work. That's the whole point behind what we read in verse 10. Here, the psalm is going to shift a bit. Here, it's going to go from talking about God and about God's faithfulness. And, and now in verse 10, it's going to transition and God is going to speak for himself. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is, this is one of those coffee cup verses that I, I think sometimes we all get so familiar with it that, that it loses some of the power, some of the magnitude of what God is saying right here. When God says, be still, this, this isn't a gentle kind of, hey, they're there. It's gonna be okay kind of statement. Like what you'd say when your, your son falls off his bike as he's learning to ride without the training wheels. No, this is a firm rebuke. This is more like what Jesus commanded the storm in our scripture reading today. Peace, be still, stop, stop trying to do all of this. That's what God is saying right here. It's more of a rebuke to the restless, turbulent world than than a comforting word. God is still in control. God will be glorified. So, So stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to fight God's battles. He's in control. That's easy to say, right? That I, I, Josh, I, you can say that all day long. I get it. It's easy for you to say. It's hard to live out. It's hard to put in action. But God says, be still and know that I am God. We all have this factual knowledge about God. We, we know about God. We we know in our heads that we can rely on God. We we know in our heads that, that God is close to his people. We know in our heads that God is at work in the mess. We all have this head knowledge that proclaims from our brain through our lips that God is in control of all of this, that God is my refuge and my strength, that he's my present help in times of trouble. But what we need to do is to get that from our head to our heart. We need to understand that God is calling us to experience a, a knowledge of him, that is faith lived out, that God will keep his promises for us. So, so what we're seeing here is a call to stop fighting. Stop trying to fix it. Stop the worry and the anxiety. Be still and know that God is God. That's the call right here. And I get it. It is so easy for me to say that to you. I get that. It's a lot harder to actually do. I know. And the reason I know is because I, I'm right there with you. I've, I've been going through this this last week. I, I I told you that a minute ago. Like, no kidding. I had a moment as I'm studying this passage of scripture, as I'm preparing to write this sermon for you, I'm studying this. I had this moment of worry and anxiety that was so great that I literally had to go away from my wife and daughters. I had to go into my bathroom, away from Tam and the girls, and just take a moment and pray something to the effect of, God, your word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, that's what your word says. And I need that right now. I need you to tell me that it's gonna be okay. I need you to take it away from me. I've had to pray prayers like that this week. This week, and, and I think I don't know this for sure, but I think that's kind of what it means to be still and know that God is God, that He's in control, that He's got this, that I don't have this, He's got that. And here's the crazy part when, when that happens, when, when we're able to be still and know that God is God, God, God steps in and does what He promises. That night, after praying like that, I, I got the best night of sleep. I'd had in a week. I had no more anxiety, nor more, no more fear. Just that moment of raw prayer where I said, God, this is what you promised. Will you help me right now? And he did. He did. And, and, and the, the beauty of that is that then God is glorified. We, we make much of his name. I, I don't tell you all of this stuff to, to make Josh, oh, I'm so pious, I'm so holy, I know when to turn to God. No, no, I'm, I'm doing it to say one sinner to another that God is faithful. God is good in his faithfulness. And as we continue on in the Psalm, we, we go on to this refrain that, that tells us, it's actually an echo of verse seven here at verse 11. The psalmist ends all of this by reminding us that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Think about that. In all that's going on around us, we're not alone. Our God who can calm the raging seas, who can take trembling mountains and make them calm dwelling places, that God, he's with us. And in all the chaos, all, the, all that's required of us is to just be still, just to know that God is God. That's incredible. So today, as we come to the end of this psalm, as we consider what it's telling us, as we consider how it might encourage us, as, as we are reminded of who our God is to us and how we can continue to trust him, I'm gonna ask you to do something with me now that I know may be a little bit strange. I I, I get that. This is gonna be a little bit weird. But I think it's gonna be good for us. I think it's gonna be a really good reminder for us. So what I want us to do is kind of follow Martin Luther's example. He used to say that, hey, let's go and sing Psalm 46 together. We're not gonna sing it together, but what I'd like us to do is to say it together. So I'm going to read the psalm with you right now. And what I'd ask is right where you're at, wherever you're at, if you're in your living room, if you're in your kitchen, if you're out on your back porch, let's read this psalm together aloud as one church spread across Escambia County, spread across Baldwin County, one church in a million locations right now. Let's read this psalm together and be reminded of who our God is to us and how we can trust him. Let's do that. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose stream make glad the city of God Salem. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time that we have had to look at Psalm 46 together. And God, as we've been studying this, you've been teaching us who you are. And so God, as we go forward out of this service today, spread out as we are, would you continue, continue to teach us to know that you are our refuge and strength. Would you remind us, as we need it, wherever we're at, that you are a very present help in times of trouble? God, would you be at the center of our heart when, when anxieties start to build, when, when fear and worry start to bubble up? God, would you teach us to be still and know that you are God and we are not? that you've got control of whatever we're going through. We do not. And would you teach us to just let go and let you have your way. Teach us to follow your will. Teach us to be a people who love you more closely because of how you have been faithful in all that we go through. God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your beautiful name I pray.